Welcome to Unravel Our Travel, where two enthusiasts dive into their favorite trips, tips, and tricks. Here we are. First episode, truly back to the grind, back to what we're doing, back to unraveling our travel, back to the countries that we visited, back to talk about what we enjoy, and it's my it's my time. It's your time to shine. It's my time to shine. And I have one that's very, very uh, exciting for me. It's one that I thoroughly enjoyed and one that I really want to go back and experience more so. And that is Ukraine and specifically Ooh. Kiev in Ukraine. And to provide some context, I was over in Budapest, as I am very frequently. And this was on a trip that was about a week and a half. And during those lengths of trips, I try to break it up by going to another place, either another country or another city, just so I'm not in the same place for 10 days in a row. And this time I decided to go to Kiev in Ukraine. And it was awesome. It worked out very well, very quick. It was about two days, but it was jam-packed with things. That is so cool. What what inspired you to go do that? Uh, I've always had an... Obviously, in, in my interest, as we've spoken, I have an interest in Europe in general, but also Eastern Europe, specifically within that. So Budapest, uh, Hungary as a whole, Poland, uh, Czech Republic, Slovakia, those types of places. I've always had an interest in them, and I I think I want to fill up that side of the map before I do all of Europe. Mm. So I would love to go to Bulgaria, uh, Kosovo, Bosnia-Herzegovina. Latvia, Lithuania, et cetera, et cetera. And Ukraine was just perfect because I was actually looking at going to Romania or some other countries, but the flight to Kiev worked out in terms of my budget and in terms of the uh, the time restraints that I had as well. So it worked out very well. How much was it? I think the, the flight was about $150 round trip. Oh, wow. Which was easy. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And it was just in Ryanair. Oh, perfect. I love Ryanair. Yeah, they're good. They're good. They're so good. I'm more of a fan of EasyJet, though, in terms of the budget airlines, but can't complain about Ryanair. I honestly don't remember. I haven't taken either since study abroad, and I don't remember which one I prefer. I think I just went with whatever had the cheapest (laughs) for the place I was going. Yeah, Yeah, I didn't didn't really care. (laughs) The good thing with those is you can, you really, it's the same thing as Spirit domestically, where you really just want to bring your body and then maybe a backpack if you can fit it. (laughs) nothing else don't bring carry on <laughs> nothing don't at all. E- don't even try don't even carry on things that are or not a carry carry on a uh check checked. bag yeah checked bag even carry ons though like they, they don't really it's exist pushing it. sometimes yeah. it's pushing it you get yeah. like one bag and that is your personal item as well yeah i think i actually brought only a backpack for mm-hmm. that leg because i was still staying in the hostel in budapest so i just left my left big your bag stuff there. yeah that's nice it worked out well <laughs> sweet okay so did you do anything to plan for Ukraine? I mean, I feel like it's in Europe, but it's a totally, not that every European country is in a total different feel, but I mean, it, it's almost like a question mark in my head. I know very little about it. I think most people do. And it's not even like you can relate to it from pop culture, really. Um, not to mention some of the like scary things in the news. I know your mom wasn't happy about you going to Ukraine. So in terms of planning, I had about two months of planning, and you and I are different in this regard, as we've brought up, in that I don't really plan that much. (laughs) I just kind of pick my highlights, and then I go from there. And I did the same thing that I did typically, which is just I pick a bunch of highlights, and then I go from there. I take it day by day. Mm -hmm. 
So the thing that I was really struggling with in going to Ukraine and being in Kiev was that I really wanted to visit Chernobyl. And yeah. Chernobyl is the site of a nuclear disaster that happened at a nuclear plant. There's a meltdown in the late 80s, early 90s. And because of that, the residents had to be evacuated. The entire area is part of this exclusion zone that is still irradiated. And I really wanted to go. <laughs> so, Did you watch the, the HBO show? I th- I went before the HBO oh, show. Oh, so. you're like the hipster of Ukraine. I was. I'm I not... wanted to go to Chernobyl before Chernobyl was even like a tourist destination. I didn't want to say that, but thank you for saying that for me because that's exactly <laughs> my thought process. And So it's clear on record. <laughs> yeah, just to be absolutely clear, I wanted to go before the HBO show came out, although it's wonderful. The show is great. Mm-hmm. It is. And I did my research because obviously my thought process was okay there is a nuclear disaster that happened so is it safe right and based upon my research i determined that it was pretty safe and i just yeah <laughs> from your safe. very scientific expert opinion i i decided that it was pretty safe because there are a number of tourist agencies that actually provide tours mm. and if they're if it wasn't safe these tourist agencies wouldn't be going there. Can I can I interrupt you? Yep. I don't know please. why I'm asking you because I'm interrupting you by asking you that. Yeah. I just want to highlight how terrifying that thought process is only because I have that as well. And then um, when that volcano exploded in New Zealand, that tourists were on the like tiny island with the active volcano. Yep. And it was really tragic what horrified me is they were all there through a tourism company. And I was like, oh, crap, that that would be me. Because even if it was like, oh, this is mildly dangerous, you're always like, well, OK, but you're paying like I'm paying you to bring me here. So how scary can it be? So just had to interrupt with that thought. That's horrifying. No, but- I, I completely agree. And this is something that it's just a personal choice in terms of the risk that you're willing to take. And I was almost ready to pull the trigger on it. I was ready to go. I did my research and I was like, I'll, I'll risk it because the big thing, they've done such a good job of cleaning the area that it's in, in the grand scheme of things, it's less irradiated than some other places in the world. But the issue is that when you're walking, you're kicking up this dust and some of this dust is irradiated. And if the dust gets into your system, into your lungs, and that's where the, that's where the trouble starts. Gotcha. But ultimately, why I decided not to do it was because my trip was so short, I didn't have the time to do it because uh, Chernobyl is about a three hour. It's far away from Kiev and it would require require an entire day of travel to go there, do the tour and then come back. And I just didn't have that time to uh, dedicate to it, unfortunately. Mm. So my plan in general was deciding where I was going to stay in the hostel. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately deciding how I was going to spend my day. And I decided to spend my day by walking around and going to some museums that I picked. Hmm. What was Kiev like? I mean, when you landed there, I mean, it has a really interesting history and culture. Not even history. I mean, current climate. Yeah. So I landed at 8 p.m. at night and it was pitch black. And I was at an airport where there wasn't any public transportation in the sense of a metro or a bus line. 
there were buses, but they were not buses in the traditional sense. It was basically a, if you can imagine a hippie van, (laughs) it was that like out decked out with all the signs, the route information, and you had to kind of hop on board to do it. So I stood out at the the bus stop in paraphrase. Yeah, Jordan's doing air quotes. Yeah, I was doing air quotes, paraphrasing. And I stood out in the cold next to the bus stop for probably 20 minutes trying to get up the nerve to get onto this bus (laughs) because you had, it was basically like stepping into somebody's van. And there was a man standing there who would take your money and then you would just sit down. And ultimately I was not able to do it. I just, I couldn't get up the, couldn't get up the mustard to do it. So what I decided to do was just take a taxi directly from the airport to my Mm -hmm. hostel. And typically I wouldn't do that just because of the prices, but for better or for worse, Ukraine is very cheap for Americans Mm -hmm. and for Western Europeans who are going there to travel. So my taxi ride from the airport to the hostel was probably $10, including oh, tip. Wow. And how far was your hostel from the airport? I don't know the exact length, but it took me about 30 minutes to get there. Okay, cool. So it was pretty pretty, yeah. pretty economic in the grand scheme of things. Definitely. And then when I got into the hostel, I checked in. And after that, I just took a walk around the neighborhood. And mind you, this was at like 10 o'clock at night, so... It was kind of a weird time to be walking around, yeah. but I wanted to just get out and see the different places. And the city is beautiful. The city is beautiful. It has these very Eastern European, Russian-styled architecture, hmm. which is very brightly colored. It has bright colors and then a contrast with white design. Oh, wow. And these wide open streets, too. And it just takes you in and you get to just soak up all of these vibrant colors. And I didn't Mm. get the full picture of it until the next day when it was actually sunny outside. Yeah. And the thing that obviously you notice, the very first thing you notice is the lettering, the alphabet. Because it's in in the Ukrainian alphabet, which uses Cyrillic. Hmm. And I I can read Cyrillic, which You can? Yeah, I can. What? How did I not know that? What do you mean you can read it? So I can read it, but I can't speak Ukrainian. Okay, but when did you learn how to read it? How do I not know this? I learned two years ago during the summer. Just as Are you a, serious? Yeah, I studied Russian a little bit. And you, to study Russian, you need to know Cyrillic. So I spent oh, the wow. summer. So I can read the letters and I can sound out what they say, but I can't anything more than that I can't do. Wait, that's incredible. That's so cool. I didn't know that about you. That's it is really awesome. Cool. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's How neat. unique. And so it was fun to walk around and try to piece together what was, obviously there are some signs that you don't need lettering to understand what it is. Mm-hmm. Like a market had a Pepsi symbol, so you knew that it was a market. Right. Or a restaurant has food or stuff like that. But it was fun to try to piece together. One of the favorite things huh. that I saw that night was this coffee van, this double-decker coffee van where you ordered like at a food truck and then you could go into the double-decker bus area and sit in it and i just sat there for about five minutes reading the coffee menu trying to understand what it was saying because i could see coffee i could see milk you know it was a lot of fun if you so when you were ordering things yeah uh if you can read it but you can't pronounce it did you try and make an attempt at the words or how did you handle that with such a different language than ones we normally talk about so i would I would sound it out. I would sound it out in Ukrainian, mm-hmm. but obviously very poorly to the point where that they understood that I wasn't Ukrainian, and then they gotcha. would switch to English by default, and then we would continue really? from there. But I did so, try to sound it out. 
of course, yeah, which is kind of our theme, but that that's impressive, especially for something like that. Did most people you find switch to English, at least like merchants and things that people of that nature? Yeah, uh, yeah, and definitely the majority of younger people speak English to some extent, and those are typically the people that I was speaking to. Gotcha. My taxi driver did not speak English. Oh boy! So I had to mime with him to oh, keep the yeah. change to keep the money when I was giving him the tip and the rest of the yeah. money for the drive too. And it's just, again, charades. You'll get through per it. Per usual. You yeah. You'll work it out. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. And after that night, I woke up early in the morning and I went to this buffet restaurant and it's not something I would typically do, hmm. but it was recommended to me by some of the Ukrainian hostel workers that that's where just people go to eat in the morning. Oh, nice. It was a cafeteria-style restaurant so that you would pay the entry fee, and then you could just go in and eat whatever you wanted. Hmm. For breakfast. For breakfast, yeah. And it was filled with people. So it obviously is something that people do. Yeah. And it was good. Uh, It wasn't anything to write home about, but it was still a good experience, and I got to try some pierogies and some other just casseroles and dishes. Yeah. Was it uh, breakfast food or do they do kind of like a lot of your birds? Not really like you're not going to go in and get like an egg sandwich or pancakes. Yeah, they had a they had like an omelet line too for breakfast and then some other stereotypical breakfast foods, but then lunch as well. So it was a brunch Hmm. style of everything. Nice. Okay, so pierogies. Was there anything else like that caught your eye? Like was it a lot of like meat dishes or cabbage or like like root vegetables? So I don't have anything more to speak about that breakfast area, Mm. but I did have this very good lunch and it was a very Ukrainian meal at this very nice restaurant. Again, Hmm. somewhere that where I would never go when I was traveling just because it's too much. But here it was within reason. Right. So what I got was this was something called Chicken Kiev. And it was mashed potatoes, uh, cabbage, and then this breaded chicken that was filled with a kind of cabbage too Hmm. so the outside was very crunchy and then there's the chicken and then on the inside was like a little nugget of cabbage oh yum it was delicious it was cool it was in a great cafe and again sounds really good probably like 15 dollars total wow it was perfect it was so good that sounds amazing yeah and before i went there i Spent the entire morning, because I I went there for lunch. I spent the entire morning just walking around the city. And as I was saying earlier, the entire city just pops. It's bright. There are these bright colors that are vibrant and catch your eye. And it's very typical Eastern Orthodox, I think, uh, to have these churches that are the same way, that are just Mm. bright and they catch your eye. Because think of, uh, I forget the name of the church that's in the Red Square in moscow saint basil's cathedral Ah, or basil's cathedral yes yes so think of that style but where those colors are still vibrant but a little darker these colors were much more vibrant and lighter so light blue think of the sky it's kind of like that color and again these wide open streets uh one of the places that i remember specifically i was walking up this cobblestone street with these extremely wide this extremely wide street and it was cobblestone and you could see the cars that were parked on the sidewalk Mm -hmm. and it gave it this sense of scale that really just provided this beautiful picture of the streets and the contrast with the 
the bright lights of the church and then the sky too because you could see the sky above wow it was beautiful that sounds gorgeous and sorry what month were you there again it was i was in november actually november yeah oh wow so did you just get really good weather while you were there it was doable Mm -hmm. (laughs) i have a story at the end that i'll share oh boy that has to do with the weather But it was good. I was able to walk around all day because it wasn't raining. So Mm -hmm. it was beautiful. It was picturesque. Oh, that's nice. So the museums you went to, what what were those? How'd you pick them out? What made you go? So the one museum that I went to was the Chernobyl. Actually, I went to a few museums, but one of them was the Chernobyl Museum in Kiev. It was the second best thing. (laughs) Almost there. Almost there. What I will say about museums in Kiev specifically is that they're very overwhelming Hmm. because unlike museums in America, in my experience and some other places, Kiev museums and the ones that I went to just overload you with objects. Like it's more about the objects themselves than the descriptions or the story behind them. Because when I went into this Chernobyl museum, there were just masks, there were uniforms, uh, debris, wow. uh, Geiger counters just thrown up onto the wall. And you can't, like, there's nothing telling what it is. And then it's the little there. bit that, the little bit that there is, it's in Ukrainian and there's not a English translation. Huh. So you don't know what's happening. So you're but, just like, wow, this is yeah, so much stuff. Completely overwhelming, completely overwhelming. And I, because of that, I went through it very quickly. I was in Mm. and out in about 20 minutes when you could probably spend about two hours in there if you actually understood uh, what was being said about it. What everything was. Yeah. Yeah. But the one that really, the one that really uh, left a mark on my, in my mind was this museum about World War II. Because Ukraine had a very rough time in World War II and just in general in the ni- in the 1900s. And this museum, it sat on this it sat on this uh, plateau that you could kind of overlook above the city. And then there's this statue of this woman who is standing there with a shield and a sword, and it's gargantuan. It just overtakes the entire skyline of Kiev. And standing beneath it, you're just in awe at the scale of this thing. That's just, there's no buildings around it. It's just in this open air. So it Hmm. completely dominates everything around it. And then underneath it on the pedestal, on the pedestal is actually the museum itself. So it's kind of built into this plateau. So it goes down into it. And again, it's beautiful. It's the scale. And it's the same thing that happened with the Chernobyl Museum where they just toss everything onto the wall. <laughs> Literally everything. There's no like picking and curating. It's like no. everything we have from this like topic. Put so it up. they do curate it, but it's to the right, point right. where they show everything. And yeah. so it's just bleeds into each other because they may have a huh. section about guns and then it just bleeds right into the tanks and there's no clear divide. Hmm. So it's very easy to get lost into it all. I kind of love that. I feel like that's was, what the inside of my brain looks like. <laughs> just wall to wall of different just things. Just wall no to wall with stuff. All over the place. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was amazing. The amount of artifacts and objects that they had were just astounding. Huh. Was there and any like one memorable like object or artifact? Not any memorable item or artifact in the museum itself. But as part of that complex of the statue of the woman the museum 
and the plateau itself, there mm. were these other statues, these dioramas of, if you can imagine, it's kind of like the Korean War Monument in Washington, D.C., in okay. that it's a statue built into the rock, mm-hmm. and it's of these men, these Ukrainians, who were in their uniform, and they had their guns rushing, like running. They looked in motion that they are about to go mm. do something, and then there are tanks built into it as well, and it was just, it was very Soviet-esque. It was very huh. into the raw power of these men who were about to go fight for their country. And it was built in stone. So again, very powerful. Right. Strong. Yeah. And it left it. fascinating. It was, that was the most memorable. One of the most memorable times in Kiev was standing on that, on that plateau, seeing the statue, going into the museum and then seeing those, uh, those men built into the mountain too. And then getting there, because it's kind of outside of the city, I had to oh, take an Uber. And so there are Ubers. There are Ubers, okay, which shocked me. that's good to know. Yeah, yeah, which shocked me. Because when I was looking at getting there, there was no easy way for me to get there on public transit. Mm-hmm. So after I had my chicken Kiev, I, I called an Uber. Now, I don't have data in Ukraine, so I, oh, had, yeah. to, I had to go find a shop. Take <laughs> take their Wi-Fi <laughs> and then call an Uber. What made it more complicated was that I didn't have a picture on my Uber profile at the time. So I had to quickly take a picture. So I had my hood up and I was just like... Oh, are you supposed to have a picture on your Uber profile there? Not there specifically, but I needed anything I could do to help him pick me out oh, because he couldn't okay. call me. Oh, he couldn't call I me and be like, that. hey, I'm here. Right, where are you? Yeah, so I had to look specifically like I could. So I took this Uber and it was probably 15 minutes away. Again, like five bucks. That's incredible. It's, it's shocking. It's Ugh, ridiculous. That is so nice. It's so nice. And yeah, so I I had to go there. And again, this Uber driver didn't speak any English. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, he didn't know where I was going, even though I put it at this In monument. That. And so he dropped Ugh. me off. <laughs> like kind of far away from the place on the highway so i had to walk on the highway yeah there wasn't really any sidewalk so i had to oh my god (laughs) and he just stopped and dropped you off yeah it was it was a lot but i got there in the end there wasn't anything in his head like oh maybe this person's not no going to the side of the highway i don't know i don't know what to say interesting yeah wow the metro system in kiev when it works it's really really cool uh it's it's super deep into the city. Mm. It's packed to the brim. The one time that I took it, I was going during rush hour and I was completely overwhelmed because I wasn't able to buy a ticket in the proper way because typically when you pay for their Metro, you just slap your credit card onto the machine. It's so easy. Uh, that's awesome. Rather than having to buy a pass. So I had to go up to the counter, ask them if I could buy a ticket in English somehow muddle my way through it during rush hour and they gave me this token which is essentially a coin but i still have it and it's this plastic coin that you just put into the machine and then you go through and it's so neat but they're so deep because of the fear of a nuclear weapon striking so they were bunkers back in the days oh wow yeah wait wait i'm so stuck on why do you have your token did you just not put it in the machine well, because I bought a round trip 
and I didn't use the last one. Oh, okay. And okay. it's a keepsake now. Okay, I was like, Jordan, what did you, <laughs> what did you do? Why didn't you put it in? I just walked right through it. I was like, how'd you get on? That's so interesting. But you said, like, are they pretty efficient when they're yes. running? Yes. Are they not running a lot? Um. Oh, no. What I meant was that where they are in the city, it's efficient. But okay. it's not that it goes everywhere, everywhere. Oh, okay. So it's, I, you're not saying that yeah. it, like, breaks down often or anything no, like that. No. Okay. To the best of my knowledge, it's very efficient. Hmm. That's really cool. I, I'm actually, like, kind of surprised. Not for any reason other than my own ignorance and like not knowing a lot about ukraine in general yeah the eastern europeans russia and ukraine they do metros very well yeah moscow specifically that thing is a complex machinery of metros have you been no i would love to go though i really want to go yeah at some point i'll get over there did you see i mean in the architecture Obviously, you've mentioned some Russian influence, and you talked a little bit about in the statue, like some of that Soviet Union era. Did you see it in a lot of other cultural influences? I mean, I know similar alphabet. Yeah. Uh, The most striking thing was language. And I actually have a friend who I met in Budapest who works and lives in Kiev. Mm. Uh. And she's a interpreter. I think she works with the UN, actually. And so I met up with her one night. And I, I got to talk a lot with her about it. And she also showed me to all of her favorite cities. We had uh, wine, this honey wine. Oh, wow. Which is Ooh. very, she said it was very stereotypical. And it was, it was really good. And when I spoke with her about that, uh, she had said that the major difference is in the age groups and that the older people they speak russian more frequently but the younger people they are much more proud of their ukrainian heritage and who they are so they speak ukrainian hmm. and that's where that divide is is between the age because oh, wow. they were part of the soviet union when they were older so they have a much more uh like soviet centered or they're more inclined towards their russian identity but the younger people who have lived in an independent Ukraine are much more inclined to use Ukrainian right. in their day-to-day life. That's but so most people, most people are bilingual in Kiev, at the very least, in that they speak Russian and Ukrainian. Okay. Well, that probably at least helps the divide a little bit. I was going to say, there's no way that the <laughs> the younger people and the older people just <laughs> refuse to speak to each other. Yeah, and she uh, she walked me around the city. She showed me to a bunch of really neat places. We had the wine, and it was delicious. It was fun. Mm. And then after that, we parted ways, and I had a dinner. that I, It was my last night there, and I really wanted it to be special. Yeah. So, But I, I didn't plan for it to be special, but I wanted it to be special, and I figured that something would happen. So when I was walking back to my hostel, I... I saw this restaurant that looked very cozy. The atmosphere was amazing. It was like, it was inviting. Yeah. And so I went in and as I went in, I was brought upstairs. It was, I was going to be the only person there and I was going to be sitting by myself and I got the menu and I found that it was a Georgian restaurant, Georgia, the country. Yep. And I had no idea where to start with the menu because I didn't know anything about Georgian cuisine or food right. in general. But I picked the thing that looked the best. 
because the menu had pictures on it, thankfully. That is the best. That is the best. <laughs> it's a dangerous game, though, because sometimes if a menu has food pictures on it, it may not be the best, but no, I it know. helps. But, well, it's the best when you're like, there's no way for me to understand what is on this menu, and you can just point and be like, that thing right there. Yeah. So I ended up getting what's called kachapuri. Hmm. It is a staple of Georgian cuisine and also some other uh, caucus area foods, uh, ethnic groups. What it is, it's cheese bread, essentially. So they take the dough of the bread. Two of my favorite things, Jordan. And it gets painful right now. Stop. So they take the bread and then they put the cheese into the dough. They pop it into the oven. So as the bread cooks, the cheese melts into the dough. After they take it out of the oven, they directly bring it to your table and then they crack an egg into it, into the center because it's hollowed out in the middle. Okay. Kind of looks like a calzone with a hole hole in the center and that hole they cracked the egg and then when the guy did this i just kind of looked at him (laughs) and it's like i don't know what to do because i was about to (laughs) i had my i had my fork and my knife in my hand ready to go were you expecting the egg no i i didn't know what to expect that's awesome so i was overwhelmed and as i was taking up my fork and my knife to dig into it he came by and he was like uh I just want to let you know that you're really supposed to eat with your hands with this dish. I was like, oh my God, thank you. I had no idea. Oh, that's so nice. But then he took it one step further and he was like, do you want me to help you? I was like, yes, please. So the egg was still sitting there with the yolk intact. And what he did was he took the fork and the knife and he started mixing up that area Mm -hmm. so that the egg starts cooking. It starts scrambling with the oh. dough and the cheese in the middle. Oh, because the dough's so hot, yes. it cooks the egg when you're making... Oh, my yes. God. It is astounding. <laughs> and So does the egg fully cook? Or, like, mostly? It's still, like, it's a very soft scramble. Runny, yeah. yeah. So it's still very soft. And then the cheese starts melting, too, at that point. So it's just... Oh, my God. It's delicious. And then he told me that you break off the two edge edges because it's pointed at the edges and then mm-hmm. you use those to dip and to stir it some more and then it's just a matter of eating it with your hands breaking apart oh the my bread God. grabbing the cheese and the egg that sounds unbelievable it was one of the best things that i've ever had and wow and you don't normally get as excited about the food as i do no i don't and but this one i do specifically i've been looking around for a place to go to get this yeah and i think there's actually a place <gasps> I think it might be in Watertown, which is perfect. You I could know. come see my office. I know. I know. I so mean, not I... like my office, but <laughs> the building that I, yes. I work in. Your office. We can yeah. say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so we need to confirm this and then we can go and have it because it's delicious and wonderful. That sounds like everything I love. Stop. I'm so excited now. Yeah. And what made it nice, too, was that I got a drink. And then I got some other thing that honestly I don't remember <laughs> what I got because it was just Compared. overshadowed. It was overshadowed. <laughs> was it overshadowed like a, by this bread. A, a food? Yeah, it was another type of food, but I just don't remember what it was. Yeah. I think it may have been a dumpling or some kind. Oh, okay. Maybe like another pierogi type thing? Yeah. 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 But wow. again, all said and done, it was less than ten dollars. Wow. Total, including the tip. And That's you don't really tip. 
Right. What um what did you drink? Like was it a lot of I don't know. I I always think like I'm like Soviet Union, which I know that not anymore, but like vodka. Yeah. yeah so the drink <laughs> that I got with that with that meal was a it was a type of schnapps. Uh, it mm. was Ukrainian or yeah. it was Georgian, but it was just that kind of liquor. Right. It wasn't anything uh, amazing. Special. I don't remember okay. it very well, but it was still a nice topper to everything with that. Well, especially when you're eating the best thing you've ever had. Yeah. The most everything kind of blurs. Overwhelming thing. <laughs> and That's incredible. Yeah. That my my entire time in Kiev was it was very quick, but yeah. it was very memorable throughout and something that I really want to actually experience more because mm. I also went on a Wednesday and Thursday, I believe. So I was right in the middle of the week and I would love okay. to actually be there when there's more people milling about on the weekends yeah, or if it's warmer weather too. One of the cool places that kind of tied back to my own interest back in uh, our freshman year in my creative writing or my writing class, mm-hmm. that was during the height of the Ukrainian revolution. And at the time I was very interested in it. So I actually wrote a series of papers about it Oh, wow. it, fo- it focused on Maidan Square or Independence Square in the heart mm-hmm. of Kiev. And there were there was fighting. There was armed fighting. Uh, there was a collection of protesters there for about a year wow. during that time. And obviously I had to go there. Yeah. So I went there and I was shocked by it because the statue that is the center point of Maidan Square was still there, obviously. And they had marked down a number of different sites where protesters were shot by the police as a kind of memorial in the mm-hmm. surrounding area. But what was crazy to me was that underneath it all was a mall. Are it you was serious? A mall right in the heart of it. <laughs> and I walked down into it like it was under underneath the street. Yeah. And you could see above it because there was glass that you could look up into the sky from when you're down in the mall. Oh, my God. But I was just, I was shocked that, like, nowhere's safe. You can right. be a mall anywhere. <laughs> that was your, t- I was thinking more the opposite. I was like, wow, like, violence and fighting. You know what I mean? That, I was thing. more thinking Same that thing. way. Well, it's true. I feel like you picture it to, um, I mean, we've been lucky enough that we've never experienced, like, true, like, violence or fighting like that anywhere in our city like I can't imagine that in Boston so when I picture that other places even though I know what you're saying the time frame it happened I'm picturing something like very archaic like and not deserted but just not clashing with consumerism like that's just two sides of the coin right there it's so interesting it was completely inversed it was wild yeah but it was wow. really something neat to actually see in person. And yeah. I was very underwhelmed, actually, because I was I was expecting it to be a much bigger plaza, but it was actually fairly small in the grand yeah. in what I was imagining it, it to be. Right. Well, and when you're writing about it and studying it, it's just it's one thing and you're learning about all these important things that happen there and you, mm-hmm. you build it up in your head. Yeah. Yeah. And the the last thing that I would say about Ukraine is that it, it was one of my most memorable times because every time, every experience throughout it was something interesting and exciting, mm-hmm. even when I was leaving. And that's my story. So what happened was I was leaving in the morning 
and I was going to catch my flight back to Budapest. I was leaving at about 7 in the morning from the hostel, and I decided that I was going to get a taxi, and just because it was cheap and it was convenient, and I knew that I was going. And when I spoke to the hostel staff about booking a taxi, they said that there was this other German uh, hostel guy who was going to the airport, and he was wondering if you wanted to share a taxi. And I said, yeah, sure, it's fine, whatever. So we were going to leave in half an hour. Um, and at the time it was snowing, it was the first snow of the season. And so we got into the taxi and we started going to the airport. We got onto the main road, complete gridlock, completely <gasps> stopped. Oh there my was God. no movement, no, nothing going on. And my flight is at noon. No, my flight is at 1230 and Finn, this German guy's flight is at noon. It's 8.30 right now, so I'm like, I'm not too worried about it. A half hour goes by, and we're still sitting in the same traffic. Oh my god. I'm like, okay, maybe we should try to go somewhere else. So Finn gets out his translator app and starts speaking with the taxi driver to be like, can you try to turn around to go somewhere else? And eventually the cab driver, he uh, gives in. He says, okay, we'll try somewhere else. So we turn around and we make some distance. And as we get to the other side to about the same distance, complete gridlock again. (gasps) Oh my God. And at this point, we're going to sit. We sat for another 30 minutes. It's probably 9.45 right now. And Finn's starting to get a little, he's getting Uh, a little anxious. He's getting a little anxious. So another 10 minutes go by and he and I talk and we're like, let's just try to find another way. So we tell the taxi driver, we're going to go. So we get out of the car, pay him. And then we get onto the Metro and we take it to pretty much the outskirts of town to the closest point that we can get to the airport. Oh God. And now it's like 1030. (laughs) We're sitting at this airport. We're sitting at the, uh, the last metro station we get out it's still snowing heavily and we stand there for about 15 minutes trying to get a taxi there are no taxis around so at this point he pulls up his map and it's like okay the airport's like an hour walk away so let's try to do that holy and i'm like okay might as well And he's like, it's an hour walking. We can probably do half an hour running. Oh my God. No, you didn't. Did you really? Yeah, I did. So we ran from this metro station to the airport in the snow with our stuff. It was very heavy. Were you running on the highway? No, we were running in some residential areas, which weren't necessarily the best area to be in if you don't speak ukrainian and to be obviously a foreigner yeah and running and running and finn don't do this ever don't do what i did finn tries to get a ride from some of the locals oh my god so he starts trying to flag down some cars and lo and behold this van pulls over this ukrainian man comes out and finn again tries to speak with him through the translator Oh my god, the only reason I am not panicking is because you're sitting here in front of me, and I know <laughs> you survived. Yeah, but <laughs> again, don't do what I did. 
and he starts miming he starts miming and like trying to get his point across to this ukrainian man about where we need to go and how do we get there and the ukrainian guy just says get in get in like he points to get into the car so we get in we get in and as i'm getting into the car it's icy out so i like slip and kind of hit (gasps) the car and i'm like oh my god you're gonna die here (laughs) and he looks at me and he's like gentle he like he mimes that to me like yeah Yeah. i know i'm sorry and then we drive through this residential area to the outskirts of it and there's this open field to the right and he gets out and he walks into the open field what and he like motions towards us like okay did you went to the open field jordan And Don't you gets, know like 80% of murders happen in fields, I think? In open fields. Open fields. And, and as he goes, give me as your we, passport. <laughs> and as we get out and he walks us over, he gets down onto the grounds and in the snow, he draws this straight line. And then he starts pointing to us and he just does some hand gestures and et cetera, et cetera. Turns out what he was doing was telling us where we were in comparison to the airport, because airports have a wall around them to keep people from running onto the tracks. Right. Things like that. So what he was doing, he was helping us. He got us as close as possible to the airport and then just told us which way to run, essentially. Oh, my God. So we did. (laughs) And it's 1130 now. Finn's flight is in at noon. I have 12.30, and it turns out that we didn't really get that far, and airports are big, too, yeah. and we were pretty much on the exact opposite side of the terminal that we needed to get to, oh. so Finn and I start running. You're in the airport now, though. We're not in the airport. Oh, you're not in the we're airport. We're on the outside of the airport. <laughs> So we're running alongside the walls of the airport at this time. Which I'm sure is totally not attracting any, you know, attention from sure all the cameras they have. I am so surprised I wasn't stopped. (laughs) I'm surprised you weren't detained, man. And we're running for about 15 minutes or so. And then I start lagging behind because I'm not (laughs) as good of a shape as Finn is. And Finn, bless his heart, kept like coming back to me like, are you okay? We Are you good to go? <laughs> and it got to the point where I'm like, go dude, without me. Dude, just go. Just go. He's like, okay. And he just peaced. So he, he ran. He kept running. And You're alone. That was the last time I saw him. I, I don't know if he made his flight. I'm guessing I don't know no. where he went. So now I'm by myself. So interesting. Now I'm by myself. I'm cursing myself for letting myself get into this situation. And I'm just, I'm livid. I'm livid. And so I try running and then I stop. I walk and then I start running again. I'm running on the service roads for the airport. How were you not arrested, Jordan? And what made this even more crazy was that it was snowing, obviously, and the snow was getting higher and higher. And I was at, as I was running, I saw that there are these holes in the street sometimes, which go into God knows where, but they were deep, and I could have fallen into one. Oh, my God. So now I was thinking about this, where if I fall into one, I'm not going to, nobody's going to know where I am. I don't have data. Oh, sh- Jordan. So my flight, the gate closes at 1230. After an hour of walking and running, 
I get to the airport at 12:28 like at the I walk into the airport at 12:28. I run through I run through security. I'm like sweating. I just probably looked like psychotic. I did. I did. And I sprint through security, I sprint through customs, and I get to my gate and it's still boarding at 12:35 and then it's delayed. And so we have to <laughs> go stand outside for half an hour on the bus. And I'm wet. I'm like wet and sweaty and cold and hot. And, and probably just had the like most cardio you've had. It was too since, much. Like, youth it was soccer. too much. And Jordan, that was just the most ridiculous situation that I've ever put myself in. I am having trouble believing it. Yeah, I, I'm having a hard time believing it too. Sometimes when I think about it, and I, I told my parents this immediately after, and they're gonna hear it again. But I don't know if it ever sunk into them how, like, stupid of a situation I put myself in. That's a real stupid situation. Yeah, so. (laughs) But you will never forget it. No, I sure won't, Lauren. I sure won't. Oh, I'm just processing. Like, I don't even know how. Those are the type of travel stories that people tell you. Or if if I read that in, like, a novel, I'd be like, wow, what a ridiculous situation this author has manufactured. This is not real. No one, this would never happen to anyone. And, like, I know it's real because you're sitting here telling me, but I'm just like, that's too ridiculous. Like, there's too many things in that to process. Yeah, it was it was absolutely stupid, and I was so bad, not at just the situation, but at myself and just everything. It was a horrible morning. I'm so happy you're here to tell that story, Jordan. Yeah, it's, it's good to be here, Lauren, you know? Not thawing <laughs> out good. in a hole outside the airport. <laughs> With a broken leg. With, like, a broken leg. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, Jordan. So that was Ukraine. That was Kiev. Wow. Ended on a good note. It was fun. I would love to go back. Yeah. Going to go back gonna at say. some point. Did um th- did that restaurant with the best meal you've ever had inspire you to want to go to Georgia? Yeah, that, absolutely. I would love to at some point. It's just the logistics of getting there. It's a little far of a flight, and yeah. I go a little crazy after 12 hours, so gotcha. I need to take that into account. But I would love to go to Georgia. Armenia, Azerbaijan, those types of places. Wow, that sounds really incredible and very different from anywhere we've talked about for yes. sure. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. It was a good trip. What does 2020 have in store for you for travel? Hopefully it has my 25th country is what mm-hmm. it has to have. It has to. Um, yeah, because I turned 25 in 2020. So it's funny. I actually was just looking at tickets today. Ideally, Machu Picchu in September, which will be big. So that's Peru. Yeah. Uh, and the I need to f- do a lot better at budgeting for my travel. I'm like pretty good at I, – I never spend a ridiculous amount, but mm-hmm. I also am never like, okay, this is the amount I'm spending on this trip, so let's figure it out with others. So that's something I want to work on travel-wise. Uh, but then if I can get one more country in, I'd love to. I know I'm going to be doing a lot of domestic traveling. End of February, I'm going skiing in Colorado. But I would love to go, I don't know, one more place. And I don't know where. Honestly, it's going to be a where can I maybe hop to for like a four-day weekend or getaway and what is super cheap. I was literally trying to find flights to like Norway. I love – I want to go to Norway so bad. You could do Cuba. I know we talked about that, but but 
don't you have to go for a full week? I thought. I thought there's only flights like one day. Uh, I don't. I don't know about the the super logistics of that, yeah. but it is pretty cheap if once you actually get there. So that could be something that you could do. I, know. I may need to do that. Or a weekend trip to Norway would be a lot of fun. I know. Would Greenland count as Denmark? Huh. I've never thought about that. Hmm. Well, I I looked into going to Greenland at one point. Yeah. That's expensive. Is it? Well, and then to do anything, it's like Iceland, except I feel like also even more remote and tourism hasn't like hit it yet. No, you, there's nothing going you, on there. Right. Well, anything going on is super cool. Like it, you basically, from what I can tell, kind of need to do like an adventure getaway. And then it's super expensive because you have to hire a guide. So mm-hmm. I got to figure that out. What about what about you? What do you have for 2020? Great question, Lauren. I don't know. Uh, after speaking about this, my mind is on Romania or going, or going to Bulgaria, maybe. I think I would want to do Romania before Bulgaria. Bulgaria. But at both the, are both are really, really cool. Yeah. I've done some research on both of them. And it would be a wonderful trip. But I think it's going to come down to me going back to Italy. Mm. It's been too long. So I really want to go back. And I think we'll go from there. I think I'm going to be pulling the trigger on a spontaneous trip in March, most likely. How is it spontaneous if you're telling me which month? (laughs) It's spontaneous on where I'm going to go and if I'm actually going to do it. Wait, Jordan, go on a spontaneous trip with me in like April. Where? Anywhere that we can afford. Okay, let's go to Romania, Lauren. All right, let's do it. Well, now that's not spontaneous. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. If you have questions, comments, or topic suggestions, feel free to email us at unravelourtravel at gmail.com. 